With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 387th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, I'm going to start calling you fish lips. <laughs> That's what you were doing over there. <laughs> On this episode, we have the DeSoto House Hotel. This was suggested by two of our listeners, Amanda Allen and Jenny Douglas. This is located in Galena, Illinois, and uh, has some very interesting hauntings connected to it. Looks like a really cool place we need to check out. Looking forward to it. Before we share that with the listeners, we want to welcome into our spooktacular crew, Missy, Haley with an E-Y, Steve, Sammy with an I, Sarah, Tracy with an I-E, and Michelle with two L's. Thanks for joining us in the spooktacular crew. And now, this moment, Noddity. The moment in oddity was suggested by Mike Rogers. In this episode, we will be talking about a lady in black spirit, and synchronistically, we have another story here about a lady in black connected to a couple of mysteries connected to a train crash. A passenger train was heading from Leeds, England to Bristow on a foggy night in October of 1928. The train was traveling fast and scheduled to arrive early at a railway station in Charfield, Gloucestershire which it was supposed to pass through. A freight train was backing off the tracks when the lead train arrived, and there was a horrible collision that killed 16 people, burning them so that they were unrecognizable. Family members managed to identify the victims, save for two children, a girl of 12 and a boy of 5. Nobody ever came forward to identify or claim the children. No one knew where these children came from, and they were buried together in a common grave with no names on the tombstone. While the country worked to identify the children, investigators tried to figure out how the crash happened. The Leeds train was in perfect working order. The conductor and fireman both survived and claimed that all the lights coming into Sharfield had been green, while the signalman said he had turned them to red. And even though there was fog, there had been no fog signalman. No one was ever charged, and the cause of the crash remains a mystery. The third mystery connected to the crash entailed a woman in black who had arrived by limousine and placed flowers on the grave of the children two or three times a year. She was frail and wore a veil, so no one ever saw her face. Some people claimed that she was a ghost who would disappear and that the car sometimes disappeared too. 
These things remain mysteries connected to the Charfield Railway disaster. And that certainly is odd. Grab your slippers, hot chocolate, flashlight, and maybe even that baseball bat. And now, this month in history. In the month of May, on the 24th in 1883, the Brooklyn Bridge opens. John Roebling was a pioneer in steel suspension bridge design, and he solved a major problem with them that caused failure, usually. New York State accepted Roebling's design for a bridge that would connect Brooklyn and Manhattan. This would be the world's first steel suspension bridge and spanned 1,595 feet. Roebling wouldn't live to fulfill his duty as chief engineer. A boat smashed his toes while he was doing compass readings for the bridge, and he died of tetanus three weeks later. He would be the first of two dozen people who would die building the bridge. His son Washington would take over, and two granite foundations would be the first parts of the bridge built. The bridge took 14 years to complete. Thousands of residents turned out for the dedication ceremony that was headed by President Chester A. Arthur and Governor Grover Cleveland. Washington was injured by the Benz while working on the bridge and partially paralyzed, so it would be his wife Emily that would take the victory lap across the bridge. She rode in a car with a rooster, which was a symbol of victory. By the end of that first 24 hours of being opened, 250,000 people had walked across the Brooklyn Bridge. The DeSoto House Hotel sits at the corner of Green and Main Streets in downtown Galena, Illinois. This building has claims that it is the most haunted hotel in Illinois, and with a history that includes President Abraham Lincoln, that reputation seems fitting. This was a beautiful hotel hosting grand balls until the economy hit it hard. But it has risen once again to provide the finest in accommodations. And with a lady in black who wandered the dining room so much that they left a hole in the wall for her, who wouldn't want to stay here? Join us as we share the history and hauntings of the DeSoto House Hotel. That's a pretty big claim saying that it is the most haunted hotel in Illinois because we have the city of Chicago here. This is true. Which has a whole bunch of hotels of its own. And then, of course, you and I have been to Alton, Illinois, and we've got the Mineral Springs Hotel that has all kinds of stuff going on in it. And we could just list all kinds of places in Illinois. But we know lots of places like to make that claim. Indeed, they do. Galena, Illinois, was once the principal river port of the upper Mississippi Valley. The hills, bluffs, and valleys make this area very scenic, and with nearly 85% of Galena's buildings being on the National Register of Historic Districts, this town should be on everyone's bucket list. The Sauk and Fox tribes were some of the first people here, and they mined the lead deposits found in the area. 
French traders arrived in the late 1600s and they established a trading post. Others came later for the lead deposits, and in the early 1800s, Congress established the Upper Mississippi Lead Mine District. This is where Galena got its name because that is actually the technical term for sulfide of lead. So I was like, well, that's kind of a pretty name because it sounds cool for a town, Galena. (laughs) By the 1850s, Galena became a shipping port with the Galena River flowing into the Mississippi River. The population grew to 14,000 and Galena was shipping 54 million pounds of lead a year. The Illinois Central Railroad brought a line through town and hotels were built to accommodate the travelers. The Galena Hotel Company was formed by a group of investors, and they made their first project the DeSoto House, which they named for Hernando DeSoto, who discovered the Mississippi River. The DeSoto House Hotel opened on April 9, 1855 as the largest hotel in the West and featured five stories with 225 guest rooms, a 300-seat dining room and other smaller dining rooms, ladies' parlors, gentlemen's reading room, a saloon, huge kitchen with the modern appliances of the time, which, who knows, in 1855, what that would quite be. I guess they weren't cooking over a fire. Gas lights, offices, retail stores, and a bowling alley. Wow, they sure had a lot going on. They did. John C. Park stepped up as the first proprietor of the hotel, and the deal he made with the hotel company was that he would furnish the building in exchange for a two-year rent-free contract. I guess that's a pretty good deal, depending upon how much you spend on furniture. And what he did spend was $15,000. It was really fine furniture. So I don't know who got the better deal in the end. Right. I was wondering. This furniture was made from rosewood, and then he got velvet carpeting, satin damask curtains, marble top tables, and a beautiful rosewood hand-carved piano. Sounds like it was beautiful. Oh, I'm sure it was. Kelly, what do you think of those marble top tables? Have you seen some? In old historic homes that we've been to. They're nice looking, but as someone who cleans several homes that either have those as tables in their main rooms or some people have them as a dresser with the marble top on it, that marble is hard to take care of. And when it gets rings on it from drink glasses and stuff, there's no getting it off unless you get somebody in there to buff it and reseal it and all that good stuff. That would drive me crazy. I'm all about the coasters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm, I have all these marble top things and I'm just like, it still looks like crud because there's nothing you can do about it unless you basically refinish it like you would wood kind of thing. But I bet in their heyday, they looked marvelous. Both Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas visited the hotel and spoke from a balcony that overlooked the main street. Lincoln was there on July 23rd, 1856, and he campaigned for John Fremont, who was seeking the presidency. Stephen Douglas was a senator when he spoke from the same balcony on July 25th, 1858. 15,000 people held a rally in front of the hotel when Lincoln ran for president. William Jennings Bryan was also a guest here. President Lincoln wasn't the only president connected to the hotel. Ulysses S. Grant was from Galena. This was his hometown, and when he returned home victorious from the Civil War, 25,000 people lined the streets to welcome him, and a grand reception ball was held in his honor at the DeSoto's Ballroom. When Grant ran for president, rooms 209 and 211 became his presidential campaign headquarters. These were big historic moments for the hotel. Good times. But the hotel would have some major issues. The first thing to befall it was a fire on June 2nd, 1859 that destroyed a dozen rooms on each floor. The entire hotel was damaged from the smoke and water. Ten years later, a boiler down in the basement exploded. The owners at the time decided to call it quits and auctioned off all the furnishings, 
and by December of 1870, the hotel was closed. The closure wouldn't last long as W.H. Blewett purchased the hotel in 1871, and he redecorated the hotel and refurnished it to better reflect that time period. Some well-known guests during this period were balloonist Silas Brooks, Dupre and Green's Minstrels, and General and Mrs. Tom Thumb. The top two floors of the hotel were removed in 1880. Hot and cold running water would soon follow, and bathrooms were added to all floors. And when you hear that, they're not saying that they were added to all rooms, just added to all floors. So I had this vision of, okay, you're on the fourth floor, and there's no bathroom up there, and you have to go, what, all the way down to the lobby to use the facilities? I was like, they didn't have a bathroom on at least each floor? Honeypots? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> when economic times were down, the hotel served as a boarding house. New renovations would be completed in the 1970s, but the hotel would still find itself facing demolition. There was an outcry from the town people, and Mayor Frank Einsweiler began an effort to fund a complete restoration, which would take seven years to gather $7.8 million in funds. This renovation took place for a year between April 15, 1985 and April 19, 1986. When this was done, there was a four-story atrium courtyard dining room, the General's Restaurant with original brick walls and beamed ceilings named for nine Civil War generals that were from Galena, the Green Street Tavern, 55 guest rooms with private baths, ballroom, specialty shops, and conference and banquet rooms. The front lobby has this great wraparound front staircase that you can imagine Lincoln once walked up and down. The furnishings and decor harken back to the Victorian era. Yeah, a lot of people who stay here say it's kind of like taking a step back in time, like it's frozen back in time. So when they renovated it, they took it back to that era and have all the antique furnishings and stuff for that. I love that. And the location is great. Most people comment that they love being able to just, you could park there, you have in and out privileges, and you can shop to your heart's desire up and down the road and all that good stuff. It seems that, you know, you've got all these historic buildings that are in this town. So this is a town that time seems to have forgotten, almost. Ghosts wander many places in Galena, and several ghost tours are offered. The DeSoto House Hotel has lots of ghost stories connected to it, with the first ones dating back to the 1800s. In one newspaper article, a woman claimed that a black figure came to her window. And I just love old newspapers because they used to have all those stories all the time. They don't do that anymore. I know. Guests for years have caught the scent of cigar smoke and strange perfume. Disembodied voices are heard in the hallways and full-bodied apparitions and period clothing have been seen. The third floor seems to have the most activity, with room 333 being the most haunted. Although the Green Street Tavern gives it a good run for its money with its lady in black who wears a period dress. People claim to hear sounds from the fourth and fifth floors. And Kelly, remember I said that they removed those two floors? Yes. So if you're hearing noises from those floors, uh, they're not there. So it's kind of <laughs> weird. The story behind the lady in black is that she has regularly been seen walking into a wall near the fireplace in the Green Street Tavern. She even seems to have been captured in a photo that we will include in the show notes. And I'll put it up on Instagram as well. You guys can decide for yourselves. What do you think, Kelly? It's definitely interesting looking. It is interesting. What strikes me about it is that it's, to me, it looks more like a shadow figure because you can't really make out anything about this person. It almost looks like they have a hood on. Right. And it's kind of covering their face or... It's kind of lighter at the top there. That might be some facial distinctions, but it still has a part of it that kind of hangs down. So it almost would be a bearded face. And it doesn't look like it has any legs. Oh, you're right. I didn't even notice that. 
Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's anything kind of underneath it unless it's taking a couple of steps, but then... Its leg would be way the heck out in front of it. Yeah, and if this is the lady in black, she'd be wearing a dress that would go all the way to the floor. Exactly. And this isn't near what looks like a fireplace to me. It almost looks like it's going through a doorway that's a real doorway. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what they captured here, but it is very interesting. So we'll see what you guys have to say about it. Contractors were repairing plaster in the restaurant after a flood and discovered a doorway behind a wall. The place in the wall that the lady in black would walk into. So they decided to leave this area of the wall open and put plexiglass over it. Then they hung a sign next to it reading, The Lady in Black, hidden since the 1880s and only discovered in July 2011. This doorway marks the spot where the elusive Lady in Black has always been reported to disappear. And it really is. There's just a a hole in the wall there where you can see the exposed brick and the plexiglass over it. So now I wonder if anybody sees her. Does she still disappear or where does she go? Does (laughs) she go through the wall? She doesn't go behind the door anymore. Yeah, I mean, anytime we hear a story like that, where it's a repeating over and over again, clearly we're going to go with residual. And if there was a doorway here, well, she's going through the doorway that she still thinks is there. Just interesting. Guests claim that the hotel is haunted, but in a nice way. And most stories seem fairly benign. Connie wrote on the Midwest Wanderer website, The desk clerk I spoke with said she never believed in the paranormal until her experiences at the DeSoto house. That's the way it is for everybody. They're a skeptic until it happens to them. (laughs) Exactly. First was a cold chill followed by a bright ball of light that zoomed past her as she worked on the third floor late at night with no explanation as to where the light could have come from. Then there were the reports from several guests that they felt someone sit on the edge of the bed. The reports were always from guests staying in the same room. A woman named Mary wrote, My husband and I stayed at the DeSoto house in 2012, and I can tell you that I did think someone sat on the bed next to me. I was so surprised to see no one was there when I looked up from my phone. I called out to my husband, and he was in the bathroom at the time. There was definitely someone with me, but I couldn't see or hear anyone. Creepy feeling. Later that same night when we were getting into bed, I reached out to shut off the lamp. And before my hand got near the lamp, the light went out. That did it for me. I knew someone was in our room with us. Our room was on the second floor. We never heard a sound or voices, but that was enough for me to be sure that there was someone with us that night. Not all the hauntings are on the third floor. (laughs) Clearly. On the Illinois Haunted House website, I love Galena in general and always wanted to stay at the DeSoto house. I had always heard about the haunted history and thought since I was finally staying there, I'd bring my spirit box for fun to investigate a bit. Sometimes it's hard to make out voices on the SB7, but these were some of the clearest responses I have ever heard or gotten. It was really cool just sitting in my room communicating. Turned my skeptic girlfriend into a believer real quick. Can't wait to go back. Don't remember the room number, unfortunately, but the whole town has spirits. Was just there last year in 2019. All around, a great place to spend the weekend. Lynn wrote, My husband and I stayed here in January about five years ago. I can't remember if we stayed on the second or third floor. We too had a couple of strange things happen. The first night I turned the TV off manually and it came back on. Twice. The second night I woke up and saw this strange light slowly moving around the coffered ceiling. It wasn't a ball of light, more like a wave of light. I must not have been too scared, though, because I went back to sleep. I always love when people go back to sleep <laughs> after that stuff. And I like that she said it's a wave of light because a ball of light, we could always say, well, maybe it was just a insect that caught the light a certain way or whatever. 
But those waves of light are interesting. And I know that we've been laying in a bed and seen stuff like that before. Well, and even the description of it reminds me of the light that we saw at McPike Mansion. Oh, yeah. Which is also in Illinois. Exactly. (laughs) Christina wrote, We stayed nearby over this past weekend, but stopped in the Green Street Tavern for lunch. I hadn't read about any of the haunting stories or anything in advance. As we were waiting for our lunch, something distinctly brushed my cheek. I was astonished that there wasn't something actually touching my face. I thought it must be a few long hairs grazing me. My hair is very short, and even wondered if the woman behind me had swept her hair back off her shoulders and inadvertently brushing my cheek. But my significant other said nobody or nothing had come near me. Just a moment later, as I was still trying to figure it out, the same sensation occurred near my collarbone on my chest. I was startled and kind of unsettled, but it made me laugh almost uncontrollably. Very out of character for me to begin such a giggling jag. That is pretty creepy because you have this feeling on your face of just brushing you. And I mean, you definitely know what that feeling is like. Absolutely. It feels kind of like hair. It just would bother me that it's now moved to the collarbone on your chest. It sounds sexual in nature. I was going to say, we're moving into regions maybe we shouldn't be. Exactly. And I wondered what she was wearing because, I mean, is she feeling it over her clothing? Because your face is one thing because you don't have anything there. Right. But if you're feeling something through your clothing, that's a pretty, you know, a little bit more of a, a touch to it, a little more pressure, I guess. It's a personal area. Yeah. And it's it has to have more pressure to it for you to feel it through your shirt, unless you had maybe something that was more of a, a wider cut on the neckline or something. And so she could feel it on her skin. So I would love to have known that extra little detail. But I could see why she was feeling a little unsettled because I'd be like, okay, where are we going with that hand of yours? (laughs) Exactly. And a giggling jag, I end up in giggle fits just because I'm nervous or I don't know how to react to something. (laughs) Yeah, it was probably an an anxious giggle. Mm -hmm. And anytime you do that from now on, I'm going to call it a giggling jag. Great. (laughs) I've never heard that term before. Gail Schultz, food and beverage supervisor at the DeSoto House Hotel, claims she saw the lady in black. She said, I was walking with another server one day and I stopped dead in my tracks and I saw her just walk right past me and go up the stairs. So here we have her doing something other than just disappearing into a wall. So now maybe she does have some intelligence to her or maybe she's residual and walks a lot of areas. As I turned to the server and she said, oh, my God, I just saw that, too. So she did see the lady in black as well. Schultz described her as wearing black clothes and she had a smoky type of figure. And that's one of those kinds of experiences we like to have because you've shared it with somebody. So she didn't just imagine that she was seeing this. Exactly. Elizabeth wrote, I stayed there with my husband about a year ago. In the middle of the night, I was woken up by the feelings of my husband getting into bed on the right side of the bed, laying down next to me and putting his arm around me. I thought it was a little strange since he always sleeps on the left side of the bed and isn't much of a cuddler when he sleeps. But I didn't think too much of it and drifted back to sleep for a bit. I woke up a little while later and was surprised to see my husband back on his side of the bed. In the morning, I asked if he had gotten up during the night at all and switched sides of the bed, and he said he didn't. He isn't prone to sleepwalking. It was very strange. Definitely could have been a dream on my part, but it was so vivid. Kelly, have you ever had a dream where you felt like somebody just put their arm around you when you were in bed? Not particularly. (laughs) Here's the thing. I've never been spooned in a dream. (laughs) No, and I don't dream. I mean, when people have dreams, you don't really dream about sleeping in bed and something that's happening to you while you're sleeping in bed. Right. Usually you're like doing something that you would be doing during the day. 
And so for you to have this sensation, I wouldn't think that that's part of a dream. And oh my gosh, now we've really gotten creepy because now you've had something getting into bed with you, which is bad enough. (laughs) But now it's putting its arm around you. And you're like, oh, that's so sweet. My hubby's spooning me. It's like, I don't know who was spooning you, but it was not him. Mary Earl wrote, first of all, I want to say I would never stay at any other hotel in Galena. It's smack dab in the middle of town. So you can literally park your car in the attached parking garage and start having fun. Second, I'd like to share a paranormal experience I had on the first floor ladies' restroom. Oh, boy. always the ladies' restroom. (laughs) I was in the stall and the restroom was empty except for me. Suddenly, I was shocked to hear an infant crying since I didn't hear the door open and anyone enter. Then as the baby continued to cry, I heard a woman's voice hushing the child. I came directly out of the stall and to my surprise, no one else was in there with me. I later heard from the desk clerk that what I had experienced was a paranormal happening and others had reported it happening to them, too. I feel very happy that I got to experience the phenomenon. She must be one of our people if she was happy about it. Absolutely. And how interesting to have a crying baby in the bathroom being hushed, because that's normally where you would have a child that would be crying. So, I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like anything bad would have happened there to leave this spirit activity going on. It's just weird. It may just be residual energy. Maybe. Sue wrote, Last month, we stayed in room 331. No action either night, but the morning we were leaving, a light went out on its own. We tried to fix it and couldn't. Then it went on and off and on and flickered for a minute before staying on. Our friend was in the shower at the time. She came out and told us she felt a presence in there and asked it to turn the lights on and off, or even just flicker them, to let her know that someone was there. She was so bummed out, nothing responded to her continued request when she had such a strong feeling. We were shocked when she told us the request she was asking while they were actually occurring in the room instead of the shower. Creepy. Can you imagine? (laughs) I love, love, love this story because you've got two different rooms. You've got one person who's like, I'm feeling something. Okay, she's in the shower. Yeah, I don't know. know I'm feeling a presence. (laughs) Hey, dude, will you turn the lights on and off? I'd be like, get out. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, kind of like when we were at Marshall House and I was using the restroom and you were talking to the little girl spirit and you know, I don't know if she was just messing with you and not wanting to communicate until I came out or if she was in there with me, which yeah, doesn't make me happy. No, but I'd rather have a little girl sitting in the bathroom talking to me or whatever, hanging out than I would, I don't know, presence. You don't know what that is. <laughs> this is true. But how amazing that the people on the outside are going, what is wrong with this light? We need to fix it. What is going on? And then she comes out and is like, man, I could have sworn there was some spirit in there with me. But when I was asking it to turn on and off the lights, it wouldn't do it. And they're like, I'm sure their jaws just hit the floor when they're like, what? Well, it didn't happen in there. It happened out here. It's just amazing. Love it. Vera wrote, my husband and I stayed at the DeSoto this past summer. Cannot remember our room number, but our corner room faced the main street. I got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. After returning to bed, I had difficulty falling asleep, feeling like something strange was going on. At first, I didn't want to open my eyes, but thought, that's silly. I opened my eyes and saw a very thin woman in a black, somewhat sheer dress walking past the foot of our bed. I actually tried to scream out my husband's name, but was unable to utter a sound. The woman kept walking towards the street side wall, but glanced at me just as she disappeared through the wall. Huh. Now, what's weird about this is she's describing this woman wearing black, but in a sheer dress, which is not a Victorian dress at all. Right. So is this a completely different spirit, again, disappearing into a wall 
and we have her unable to utter a sound, which we would liken to sleep paralysis, which is not necessarily an actual spirit. It could be you're just having some kind of a physical phenomenon happening to you that's a normal medical thing. True. But clearly this woman saw something and it glanced at her. Right. So it seems like there was some interaction there. Yeah. Stacy wrote, I fell asleep early but was awakened by a vivid dream and the feeling of something hovering over my bed. It seemed black and frilly-like. In my dream, I was running through an old building with tons of doors and I was getting lost and calling out for my sister-in-law. Then as I woke up, I felt or saw a black figure hovering over me. I quickly jumped up, went to the restroom, grounded myself, and went back to bed. There we go. Going back to bed again. I know. I'd be like, I'd be hanging out and I'm going to be like, I hope that bathtub's comfortable because I'm sleeping in it tonight. (laughs) I was startled for a few moments. I didn't wake my sister-in-law, but the next morning I told her that I had a scary dream about a black ghost. She laughed and said, oh, so it wasn't Casper? (laughs) (laughs) No, smart aleck. I replied, no, it was black, and that was one freaky dream. I didn't find out until two nights later that the hotel was famous for the Lady in Black ghost. We took a ghost tour and learned about the many ghosts of the Galena Hotel and the infamous Lady in Black. I was pretty freaked out for a few days, and I can't explain it, but I was visited by something that night. I can still see the figure as I awakened from my dream. I could not see a face, but it was over the end of my bed and seemed black and frilly like a curtain or dress. An experience that I've never had before and so very vivid to me. I believe her. I mean, clearly there is some kind of a female ghost in black in this hotel. Originally from her description, I was envisioning, you know, her just opening her eyes and it was like literally over the top of her, kind of like in the Haunting of Hill House or something like that. Yeah, that's and what that, I was thinking too. <laughs> that freaks me out. Yeah, it, I, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if it was like floating completely above her, like parallel to her, or if it was just leaning over the edge of the bed. Right. It sounds like at the end that maybe it was just over the end of her bed. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to know because she said, as I woke up, I felt or saw a black figure hovering over me. And I wouldn't feel like it was hovering over me if it was at the end of the bed as much as I would if it was like literally hovering over me. But very interesting that she had not heard the stories about that. So she wasn't predisposed to create that in her mind. Exactly. There's a ghost tour that starts in the lobby of the DeSoto, which seems to be a good indication that some paranormal activity is going on here. Is the DeSoto House Hotel haunted? That That is is for for you you to decide. decide. If any of you have stayed there, we'd love to hear your experiences and let us know about some great places to check out at that town if we ever manage to get there. Oh, we definitely will. We'd love to have you check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. We did get a comment on the website, Kelly. Melissa wrote, my husband lived in Green Cove Springs for most of his adult life. Isn't that cool? It's very cool. That's where our Clay County Jail was located. I can't wait to get back there. I usually listen to you guys when I'm working, but I fully intend on sharing this episode with him. He would be so thrilled that you guys covered this. As always, love your show. You both are awesome. And 1973 is the best year. Ah, (laughs) excellent. (laughs) So I wrote back to her and said, ah, I guess you must have been born that year too. (laughs) And we do get comments over on our Patreon as well, Kelly, because we have bonus material up there that people get to see. And we have so many great 
bonus episodes over there covering other haunted locations and haunted items and poltergeists and all kinds of stuff. So if you guys haven't signed up as a patron, you might want to do that so that you can get some of this stuff. Cindy commented over there that she just wanted to thank us for how we screen our podcast. She was listening to another podcast and there were F-bombs and political rants. And she just said, you know, when I'm listening to specific podcasts about something, I don't want to get all that stuff in there. And I said, well, I'm the same way. I'm a total podcast nut. You're a total podcast nut. Yep. And the only time I want to listen to politics is if I'm listening to a political podcast. podcast. And I told her early on, first of all, we don't use the F word around here that much unless we're angry. And I don't think we're ever angry when we're doing this podcast. No, so. Now, sometimes when the printer won't work or something. Yes. Like that. When some of the electronics are not functioning properly, you'll get a whole lot of F and F and F and from me. I just walk out of the room. But I'm glad early on that uh, I decided that this was going to be a PG show because I just am thrilled to death that we have young listeners listening to the show. Most definitely. And you know what? All the stuff going on in the world, we get enough of that thrown in Mm -hmm. our face every single day. We don't need it here. Yeah, you need an escape. And we're inviting you guys to join us in our spectacular crew over on Facebook. There's absolutely no cursing in there and there's not politics in there either because we want to have a nice escape from all of that stuff. Absolutely. And you guys really should check out the Patreon page. If you need more content, there's a heck of a lot there. Also want to let you guys know that we still do have some tickets available for the ghost hunt. You can find those over on the website under the Lighthouse Ghost Hunt tab or St. Augustine Hunt tab. I think that's what it's called. And they're just 45 bucks and you can hang out with us and ghost hunt at the Lighthouse for a couple of hours. You'll want to get on that because tickets are going fast. And I think we have a handful of tickets still left for the live show in St. Augustine as well. So make a weekend of it. Join us. It's going to be a blast. Yes. And we'd love to see all of you in person. Absolutely. Meet everybody. See our friends instead of just through the Facebook page. Yes, indeed. Want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to thank Mindy Hull for raising your support. We're going to move you into an obelisk tombstone. And she just recently signed up, so it'll be real easy on more. It's pretty fresh grave there. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) And we want to welcome into the cemetery Airship Isabella. You're going to be buried under an obelisk tombstone as well. Thank you so much, ladies, for supporting History Goes Bump. Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape shifting, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us.
It's like that ABBA song, Fernando. <laughs> Have you heard you that ABBA so. song, Fernando? No, never. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fernando. Well, then sing it. We're supposed to be singing during these bloopers. Nah. <laughs> and before my hand got where the and before my hand got near the light, I feel like you know those people who do the little <laughs> mouth exercises before they go on stage. <laughs> What's that? The commercial with Jamie from Progressive or whatever? Have you heard that? One? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not warmed up yet. Hang on. Yep. <laughs> I was startled and kind of unsettled and kind of un. Unsettled. Unsettled. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.